this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottagecore life. It's May, believe it or not, and it is a little bit chilly in Michigan, but the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and everything is lovely. And for those of us who are enjoying the day, looking at flowers, it's a remarkably wonderful time. And for those of us who have partners that fish, it can be a very slimy time. No, I promise, this episode is not about snails. This episode is about fish, specifically bass. So if you have a friend or if you yourself like to fish, I want you to open up your big book of stuff and turn to the section on Michigan bass fishing, because today that's what we're going to talk about. Let's get started. Today, my husband is going to be fishing at the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. And this is located in Trenton, Michigan. I've been there a number of times. And what makes today special is right now, there will be hundreds of people out there fishing for bass. I know that some people might not think that Michigan might be the big bass place because you think of muscalunge or perch or salmon or steelheaders, you know, trout. But it it's true, you know, and of course bluegill. But you can definitely get some really good bass here. It's actually one of my favorite fish right now. I love it. I love the way it tastes. It fries up beautifully. You can bake it. There's so many things you can do with it. And it's just really, really good. Now, I haven't made a bass soup. I must admit, I didn't make that yet. But I'm eager to try it. And um, it, it might work. I have to see. I have to ask my girlfriend. Because she usually knows what is best for different kinds of preparations. She's a chef. No, I'm not going to name her here. Because I don't name drop people. But she is pretty well known. Um, She's one of my personal sheroes. I really look up to her for all the things that she's accomplished. I'm so proud of her. And I feel that she creates light and contributes to the world in that way. when I'm talking about the bass that my husband catches at the refuge and I'm very clear that I don't say that we catch because I'm not catching anything not at all but when I'm talking about those bass I'm talking about the silver bass right now now there are other bass that are in Michigan and I actually did catch a fish once that was a rock bass I haven't fished much since I was a little girl but I caught a rock bass once and it was really cool and everything and I let it go because of course I felt sorry for it but (laughs) but 
he fishes for silver bass and I love it so much. And if you don't know about silver bass or that phrase is, is not familiar to you, you may have heard them called sand bass or white bass. So if you're hearing me say silver bass, I'm talking also about white bass or sand bass. And I think you should know that. And um, for many people, if they don't fish on a regular basis, this is the time to come fish. It's warmer outside because usually the fish will not start moving until the water temperature is around 55 or so. So, I mean, they do move before then, of course, you know, they are alive, but this is when they really start running. So this is maybe the time if you've never fished before now, or if you want to take someone who's new to fishing or they get easily discouraged and they, you want them to have a greater chance, this would be a great time to take them down there to fish because there's a strong likelihood they'll catch something. It's very, very um, unusual to not catch a fish during this time. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is cooking. And it's not just about cooking here. I mean, we do a lot of stuff that's indoors and outdoors because that's kind of what the genre is about, right? That's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a, a niche. It's that's just for a fad. It's actually a lifestyle. And what I really like is to share cooking tips that I do know. And one of the things that I do know is for different areas and different times of year, sometimes fish tastes really fishy. Okay, so that sounds odd, like, okay, fishy, it's a fish. And I know that kind of sounds like I'm gonna give you some weird advice. I don't wanna sound like I'm telling you something fishy about fishy tastes. Get it? Fishy, fishy taste? No, you're groaning. Come on, it was funny. A little, maybe? Okay, fine. But this may sound odd, but in order to get the fishy taste, and if you eat fish, you know what I'm talking about, when it tastes like swamp or something, in order to get that weird fishy taste out, you can soak it in milk. And I'm just going to say, I know that there's someone out there who's going to try it. I'm not talking about plant milk. I've never soaked fish in plant milks. I wanted to say that to get it out of the way. I don't even know how that would go. But I do know that soaking it in cow's milk will work. I don't know about sheep milk and I don't know about goat milk. I would have to really try it to see how the taste changes. But I do know this helps get the fishy taste out. Now here's something else you need to remember, especially if you're the fishing person, you know, the fisherman or the fisherwoman, or if you're the one that's going to be handling the fish. In a way, you have to treat silver bass like walleye. And when I say that, you need to let it bleed out. Um, you can't just um, use it right away. You need to let it bleed out. You also need to trim the red off the fish because 
If you don't, that's another reason why it can taste really gamey or really fishy. Um, you would think that that wouldn't make a difference, but it makes a big difference. Once you do that, you can get about... My husband usually gets two good-sized fillets out of there. You can get four usable fillets, but for the big pieces, about two. Now, I know that you're like, well, I don't want to lose any pieces of the fish. Just because it's part of it doesn't mean you eat it. And nothing needs to go to waste. You can put that in water and let it sit for a day and then put it buried in your garden. And you'd be surprised how much life comes to your garden after that. Now, of course, you can find out a lot of ways when you're fishing through trial and error on how to store your fish and how to freeze your fish or dry your fish or smoke your fish. These things are found by experimentation, but if you have an old timer or someone who's been doing this a long time, it's best to get information and advice from them because they've done it. They've, they've done the things. We don't always have to start from scratch. Someone else has done the work and is willing to share their experience. Don't be afraid to ask and don't be too proud to accept the information. One of the reason we have, reasons we have books is so we can learn from the experiences and trials of others. That's how we progress. So if you are fortunate enough to be near a fisher person, a fisherman, a fisherwoman, then this is good. You can actually be under someone who has the information to give to you. And one of the things we found out is that if you freeze the silver bass, the flavor can go away if you don't freeze it properly. So one of the best ways to do it is make sure you freeze it with some water with it because that helps preserve more of the flavor. The second thing is don't let it sit in there for a year. It's, it's not going to taste the same. I promise you, it, it just won't. And that's the drawback of having a deep freezer. We tend to throw things in and forget about them. So that's something to keep in mind. Another way to preserve fish is to smoke fish. That's something that you might like. That, that is definitely another way. It's also another way to serve fish because you're smoking it because you want to preserve it so you can eat it. But you don't have to put it up just because you've smoked it. That could be the way to prepare the fish for the evening. Maybe not that evening though. It depends on how you're smoking it because there's a few ways to smoke fish. Some people use hot smoke and some people use cold smoke. Uh, the hot smoke, of course, you put it in the smoker, and other people use a cold smoke. As I was growing up, the, my mom, my mama, who raised me, um, Mary Nesbitt, that would be her way of um, feeding us sometimes. She would bring home from work, and that was at uh, Seafair Foods. She would come home with cold smoked fish from work, and we would just put it right in the oven heat it up and it was so good it wasn't bass though we were eating chub and to this day I love chub I love it so much 
but you can't always find it. Uh, commercial fishing, zebra mussels here, a lot of things have hurt the chub population, but I think they're trying to come back. But I love smoked chub. Another thing I love is smoked sable. Uh, but definitely smoked bass is a pretty decent fish and you should try it if you get a chance to if you are so inclined. They sell commercial brines out there, but you can definitely make your own. Now before you smoke the fish, there's something you need to keep in mind. You will need to brine your fish. You don't have to, I'm not telling you you have to, but you should, I mean you need to, if you don't want it to dry out. For some people, they don't care, so that should is maybe, you know, not necessarily relevant, but if you don't want your fish to dry out, you need to brine it. And the brine is something you would do, you treat your fish, okay, first of all, you're gonna have to get the slime off of it if they're slimy and any kind of fish. Different fish have different rates of slime. That's the fish's insulation, you know, so. But once you've cleaned your fish, because by the way, when you catch silver bass, don't just keep them all together. Put them on ice because they're gonna get just really, really slimy and gross, okay? I'm just, just being honest with you. But the other thing is, you're gonna clean your fish, you're going to, you know, get it clear. The next thing you have to do is brine it. You're gonna brine it for a while, then after it's been brined, then you dry it off, and then you smoke it. And the most common brine is salt and brown sugar, as far as the main ingredients of your brine. That is the most common, but it's not the only one. Some people put wine in their brine, um, there's lemons, there's all kinds of variations, but those aren't the only spices you can use. You can definitely use aromatics. You can use certain kinds of woods when you're smoking them. I know some people use fruit peels when they're smoking fish or smoking other meats. So before you, and don't look at me like that. I meant what I said. I'm talking about like the rind, the rind of grapefruits or things like that. Depending on what you're smoking, people use different things. Don't be afraid to experiment. Now, one of the things I really want to get into is if you have a chance to get together with your family or your friends or your social circle or the people who you cosplay with or anything like that, and you have a lot of fish in the freezer or you've caught a lot of fish, this is the time that you can come together and have a fish fry. Make sure nobody is allergic to fish. You'd be surprised. Some people are so allergic that if they smell a fish cooking, they can get extremely ill. So always check first. But definitely, you can have a fish fry. And this is the time of year you can do it. The fish are plentiful. They are provided by the divine. Whatever you believe, whatever you call the divine, whether it be nature, God, uh, the higher power, this is when those fish are, are being provided to feed us. And guess what else is in season? Season Ramps. You can, if you have not picked them all, if they're coming in the season near you, you can use ramp butter 
while you're preparing your fish. And guess what else is in season? Sage flowers are in season. So you can get those sage flowers or those fresh sage leaves and you can dip them in the batter and fry them up for the side. I know that sounds odd, but it is a tasty treat from the garden and a lot of the sages have flowers right now. So you can use those. You can also trim it and mix it with potatoes. So this is definitely the time to get out there and enjoy the abundance that is provided to us. Now here's the thing. All cornbread doesn't have to taste like just corn. Why am I talking about this in this particular episode? Because cornbread and fish at a fish fry go together. They really do. And I know some of you are like, no, 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 I don't care what you say. Cornbread and fish go together. So this would be a great time to have that sagey cornbread. And some of you don't eat sagey cornbread, that's fine. I'm not judging. But if you can, get that sagey cornbread together and some nice rice, even a good wild rice with that fish and that ramp butter and some lemon and you have got a party. I love sharing new things with my friends and we're friends, right? And if you've never fished before but you want to, this is the time to go out there and fish because it's going to be more likely you'll be able to catch your fish from the dock while the spring run is going. If you've never had silverfish or whitefish, or excuse me, silver bass or white bass, specifically that kind of fish, this is the time to try it. If you have friends and they are fishing and fishing is just not for you, but you want to taste it, this is the time to barter. A lot of you have been making things all last year. If you've got some violet honey or you've got some lilac salt or sugar, share it and barter with your friends for their bass. Why not? This is how we reconnect and make those connections again, right? This is part of the lifestyle. And I hope that you and I will be able one day to connect again here on my magical cottage core life. <laughs>